You're listening to Prevailing Word Ministries on the Prevailing Word Podcast channel. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Today's message is Ravenous and Savage Wolves, and this is part two. Let's get right into today's message. Please open up your Bibles to the book of uh, Matthew chapter uh, chapter 7. Uh, beginning at verse 15, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, we want to discuss ravenous and savage wolves, ravenous and savage wolves. And this is part two here in the book of uh, Matthew chapter seven, beginning at verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Uh, again, I want to go back up into the verse 15 because uh, that's the uh, the anchor scripture that I want to use along with the uh, book of Acts chapter 20, which we'll get to momentarily. Again, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Now, in the book of Acts chapter 20 and beginning at verse 28, uh, Paul says uh, this, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock which among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up, meaning among your own group, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. And that's the, the goal of ravenous and savage wolves that rise up from within the ranks of the church uh, to uh, take advantage of the church, but also to draw away disciples after themselves. So now we want to go to uh, some things that uh, I, I received that uh, we need to just go over. How do you detect ravenous and savage wolves in the pulpit? How do you know the difference between good shepherds and ravenous and savage wolves? Remember what the Lord said that they come to you in sheep's clothing. They blend in so you won't see them for what they are. Now here in the book of uh, Jude, in the book of Jude, uh, uh, again in verse three, we see uh, that Jude had received a very powerful word. He said, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. What uh, Jude is telling us here in terms of contending with uh, uh, these individuals, these false prophets, we are to contend with them. In other words, when we see them bring false doctrine, we just don't let them slip and get away with it. We point them out and we expose them and then we sound the alarm so that way everybody that is a true believer can be on the lookout. It's called the bolo, if you will. Be on the lookout for these individuals. And so the whole purpose of this is to alarm the body of Christ and let everybody in the body of Christ know that these individuals are coming in to do destructive work in the body of Christ. And, and that's our job, not only as preachers, uh, uh, those of us that have been genuinely called by God into the ministry uh, and the qualifications for ministry is in First uh, Timothy chapter uh, two and also in First Timothy chapter three. That's the qualification. But nonetheless, we'll get to the qualifications in a little in a, in a while. 
But but individuals that are not called to the ministry, individuals that are not qualified for the ministry, these individuals are coming in to destroy the sheep. So we need to warn the rest of the body of Christ of these individuals and tell the people, be on the lookout for these individuals and warn what they teach. Now, how you do it is that you compare what they're teaching with the scriptures, because if it doesn't line up with the scriptures, then it is a clear sign that these individuals are there to disrupt the body of Christ. So here in verse four, for certain men have crept in unnoticed. Now, again, how do they creep in unnoticed? Well, it's very simple. They like what Jesus said in the book of, of Matthew, chapter seven and verse 15. They they come in as wolves with sheep's clothing. And, and so that's they have to disguise themselves to appear genuine, to appear real. So that way you can accept them as genuine and real. And that means that everybody else uh, accepts them as real. I remember uh, several years ago of uh, uh, E. Bernard Jordan, and uh, he was preaching at Harlem Tabernacle. I wasn't there, but from what I heard, uh, the, uh, the pastor was there and uh, two pastors that I know of that were, that were there. Of course, obviously, Ernest Cameron and uh, Roger Jameson. He be, and E. Bernard Jordan began to go along the lines of teaching uh, uh, Reverend Ike stuff in the pulpit. Now, it's shocking and surprising, but. Everybody was looking at the pastor to see whether or not E. Bernard Jordan was saying something false and, and attempting to get something over onto the people. And they were looking to the pastor to be the shepherd to protect the sheep. But nothing happened. Nothing was rebuked. Nothing was shared in terms of a counter scripture to to bring the actual word of God, because this is the scripture that he used uh, E. Bernard Jordan in the pulpit. And that is coming from the book of Ecclesiastes. It says money, money answereth all things. And we all know that money doesn't answer all things. That is definitely a stretch of the imagination and a stretch of the scriptures. And that's what Ike Rimkota did. Uh, Reverend Ike used in his teachings and uh, E. Bernard Jordan started to use those teachings as well. And so it should have been a straight alarm to the body of Christ in Harlem Tabernacle not to accept that teaching and to condemn that teaching and the person or persons that brought it and bring to the sound doctrine of the teaching of the word of God to bear. And so if man, if money answers all things, then let's apply the, 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 the principle. Let's let's apply, apply the principle that he tried to use. He, let, let's apply if money answers all thing, all things, then if money answers all things, then that means that it can answer my sin. That means I could put up any money amount and it would pay for my sin. But that can't be money answers all things. Well, if money answers all things, then I can simply use money to get out of jail. Uh, so uh, that's a stretch of the of the scriptures. And that's how you, you catch false teachers and false prophets. You line up the scriptures with the uh, with the teaching that they're, they're bringing and you expose it for what it is. So it's very, very uh, you have to be very, very careful and be mindful that you people will use the scriptures incorrectly to bring about a, a false teaching. And if you accept it, it's on you. But if the pastor gets up and corrects it, then you, either you're going to receive the correction or you're simply going to bypass the correction and, and accept the false doctrine. Again, in verse four in the book of Jude, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So these individuals have crept in unnoticed. Why? Because they're they're uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. These individuals are hiding amongst the sheep as sheep. And then next thing you know, when the time is right, they're going to come out and begin to bring in the heresy that they want to bring in to uh, disturb the sound doctrine that is being taught in a local assembly. Here in Second Peter chapter 2 and beginning at verse 1, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. Now, I know he said among the people and he said among you. 
which confirms what Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 7 and verse 15, that false prophets will be wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and these individuals are what? Among the people. And what? And they are among you who will do what? They will bring in who will bring secretly who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Now, just in case you don't know what the word heresies mean, I'm going to bring up the word in the def, in the definition. And it means party or a sect or uh, as you go further down, it says uh, act of taking capture, storming a city, choosing choice. That which is chosen, a body of men following their own tenets, sect or party, which, of course, you see as uh, of Sadducees, of, Fa of the Pharisees, of the Christians. And then it says dissensions arising from diversity of opinions and arms. So there's a diversity of opinions. Now, remember what Paul said, I believe, in the book of Reve uh, book of Romans, uh, chapter 12, that he said that do not be wise in your own opinions. The word of God is above every man's opinions. And besides, uh, opinions are commentaries. They're only comments. So we have to adhere to the word of God, which is not an opinion. It is the commandments of the Lord that differentiates itself against heresies. And so that's the definition of heresies that we see here. But notice what he also says, even denying the Lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift destruction and many will follow their destructive ways. In other words, like we said, again, they will be successful. Um, many false uh, prophets that are wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and remember what we shared about the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verses four and also verse 11. How that false prophets will rise from among people and, and, and many will be deceived by them. In other words, they will be successful. People will accept what they teach instead of doing what the Bereans have done in the book of Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. In other words, they held Paul to the fire. They put his feet to the fire and held him to account because we're not final authority. Only the word of God is final authority. So verse two now in the book of Second uh, Peter, chapter two, and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed by covetousness. And this is the purpose of the false uh, prophets, because they are ravenous and savage wolves, this is their purpose. By covetousness, they will exploit you. In other words, they will take advantage of you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. In other words, they will be eventually brought to destruction. So they will bring in lies that's what the world is terming now as misinformation, disinformation and malicious information. And that's the blasphemy that we're talking about here. And so that's what these false prophets and false teachers that are ravenous and savage wolves. That's their objective. Their objective is to bring in lies, which is misinformation, disinformation and malice, malicious information or for sure, malinformation, for what purpose? For covetousness purposes. They want to take from you what you possess so that way they can possess it. Remember what the Lord gave as, a, as one of the Ten Commandments in the book of uh, Exodus chapter 20. And it says that you shall not covet. And, and so Jesus reminds us of this in the book of uh, Luke chapter 12, where he says, take heed and beware of covetousness. For man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Now, remember what Paul also mentioned in the book of Colossians chapter three, where he said that covetousness is idolatry. In other words, it is an object that you worship. So you have to be very careful of the fact that you can fall under the spell of a false teacher and a false prophet. And next thing you know, they take advantage of you. They exploit you by covetous means. They exploit you and then they take from you what is actually yours. So you got to be very careful of that. Now, here's an example of destructive heresy here in Second Timothy chapter two, chapter two. And 
and verse 16. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Now, just in case you don't know what this word cancer is, it is what we would term as gangrene, uh, uh, which is spelled G-A-N-G-R-E-N-E. And so look, look at the definition here of the cancer or the gangrene that these individuals are bringing in, into the church that is destructive heresies. Cancer is very destructive. We know that. So gangrene is a disease by which any part of the body suffering from inflammation becomes so corrupted that unless a remedy be seasonably applied, the evil continually spreads, attacks other parts, and at last eats away the bones. And so that's the kind of message that Paul is warning the body of Christ not to accept. Again, verse 17, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth. In other words, they were involved in the truth. They've read the truth. They know the truth. And see, that's the thing that you have to understand about what Paul had mentioned in the book of Acts chapter 20, that, that these ravenous wolves or savage wolves will rise up from among you. And, and so those individuals that were among you were individuals that perhaps were once uh, aware of the truth of God's word, but what did the what did Hymenius and Philetus do? They have strayed concerning the truth. So here is an example of destructive heresies, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. And that's the whole objective, not just to take things from you, but to overthrow your faith in Christ. Because I believe that many people, and you and I have heard, many people departing or, or walking away from the faith of Christ because they've been taken advantage of by individuals that claim to be something or someone led them in false doctrine and false teaching and it didn't work out for the one that once believed it, it and they simply said I had enough I'm turning away from this and turn away from Christ and what happens here we see here that and they overthrow the faith of some so that's a good example of an individual that is bringing individuals bringing destructive heresies now let's look at the character of wolves but wool gets heavy and hot, and it's just a matter of time before they take off the wool and attack the sheep. Wolves in sheep's clothing want you to get comfortable with them so that it's easier to devour the sheep. In other words, get close and close in terms of proximity and then launch the attack. It's just like a sniper in the uh, armor of Marine Corps or, or among Navy SEALs, the elite of those uh, fighting forces that put on a what is called a ghillie suit. What a ghillie suit is basically a, 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 a suit where you put it over you that meshes in or blends in with the surrounding uh, terrain that they, they have a mission in. So that way they can't be cannot be readily seen by the naked eye. So they blend in. And so a wolf in sheep's clothing want to blend in. They want to be able to be non-detectable. So uh, uh, they want to be comfortable with people. And then what happens is that the people become comfortable with them. Because once the wolf is detected, the alarm is sounded. But usually the only alarm that is sounded is when the wolf has a sheep in his mouth. You get comfortable with them, with these false prophets and false teachers, because they give assurances that they're not there to trick you, that they're not a threat to you or to others. But here's the thing. You smell something funny, but you don't scrutinize, investigate, examine and you're not skeptical. Uh, the suspicion wanes over time. In other words, you, you know that something is wrong. You know that something is not right, but you just let it pass. You, you just let it, well, it's no big deal. But wait a minute, it is a big deal. When you hear something that's questionable, that's the moment to ask questions. And if the answers doesn't line up with the word of God, it's time to go somewhere else before you become prey. Wolves are very patient. They're slow in terms of their approach now. Now they turn up the speed when they want to chase their prey and catch it. But at first, they're very slow and methodical. 
they're they're waiting for the right moment to tear you apart. Now, this, this is speaking of false teachers and false prophets. They are biding their time. They're patient. They want to see if you accept them as legitimate. Wolves, now once they begin to attack, wolves show no mercy because they live by one law. You have to die because I have to eat today. Wolves take advantage of the sick, the weak, and the elderly that can't fight anymore, the injured and the little ones that are too young to outrun them or fight for themselves, or they take advantage of individuals that don't have the scruples about them. In other words, they're not mature, they're not, they're not individuals that study the word of God, and that's why we, t- we tell you over and over and over again to study the word of God, to know the scriptures for yourself. Remember what Paul told Timothy. He said it this in the book of Second uh, Timothy, chapter two, verse 15, study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Wolves are heartless and indifferent. They have no love or compassion. They don't care if you're suffering, that you're overwhelmed with bills or other financial obligations. They don't care whether you're suffering or not. They don't care if you're in some serious financial difficulties because the only thing that they care about is to take advantage of you, to exploit you, so that way they can take care of their bills while your bills are going unpaid. You know that you have a need and you know that you have the money to pay that need, but all of a sudden they trick you into giving up that money that you know what is supposed to be for your bills and they pay their bills, but your bill goes unpaid because you're standing in faith. You're standing in faith and you're you're like making all these confessions. But look at what you did. You put the, the money that was supposed to pay for your bills into his pocket so that way he can pay his bill, his car note, his mortgage or, or his clothing or attire or his ministry or whatever. And one of the things that you have to be under, uh, aware of is that that's how they trick you. They take scripture and manipulate it and get into your soft body. Here's the other thing that they do. And they bring in all these musicians and all of a sudden they get all into your emotions. And next thing you know, they rob you while you're emotionally high, but not looking out as far as watching for what they do. They lie to you and tell you that what you want to hear. They lie to you and tell you what they want you what you want to hear. They know that you have a need and they use every bit of emotion to tug at your heart that it that if you give money, you'll get a miracle. In other words, you're paying for something that only operates by the sovereignty of God, for one, and number two, by the grace of God. And you can't pay for favors with God when it comes to miracles. Either God's going to perform it or he's not. He chooses what miracles to perform and he chooses what miracles not to perform. It is his sovereign will. But we don't put money in the in the plate to to get him to pay uh, to get him to give us a miracle because the the concept is is if I give him something he'll give me something but to, but notice what Jesus said in, in in the book of Matthew he said ask and it will be given you seek and you shall find knock and the door will be open unto you he didn't say ask and then give money and it will be given to you seek and then give money and it will and you'll get what you're seeking no he didn't say any of that in fact in the ministry of Jesus you will never see Jesus say you want that person healed well put some money in the plate put some money in the plate and then I'll perform a miracle perform a sign wonder and a miracle but no Jesus never did that no not one time and he told his disciples in the book of Matthew chapter 10 freely you have received freely give and so the grace of God cannot be bought the miracles of God cannot be bought and never put in your mind a certain equation that if I put money in the plate then God is going to do something no it is all an act of grace but after the service is over no miracle for you for you take place and you uh, for uh, no miracle for you takes place and you get blamed for having no faith Now, that doesn't make any kind of sense. Right after the service is over, you get no miracle. No miracle for you takes place and you get blamed for having no faith. That's not right. That's manipulation. 
This is as cold as it, as it gets to blame you for not having enough faith to receive a miracle when they said if you put money in the, in the plate, you'll get your miracle. Can you see how convoluted that is and how a setup that is it is for an individual who is a, a a huckster and a peddler and an individual that want to want you to fall for their lies and manipulation? You see, that's the savage, the ravenous wolves and savage wolves that we're trying to warn you about. You don't have to give anything uh, to get God to do something. All you need to do is trust and believe God. And that's it. And if you put nothing in the plate, it doesn't stop God from moving. And if you give him nothing as far as money is concerned, it doesn't stop God from from performing from performing a miracle that you so desperately need in terms of asking God simply for it. And so, uh, again, miracles is a sovereign move of God where he suspend natural laws and then he provides for you miraculously according to his will, not because you put something in the plate that is manipulative manipulation. These ravenous wolves and savage wolves don't care that you can't overcome. They give you an illusion message designed to steal, kill, and destroy you. If you go back into our last week's message about ravenous wolves, we discussed at length about uh, John chapter 10 in terms of uh, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to and to destroy. Now, they teach you to give your way out of debt, and that's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the devil, plain and simple, because you're putting money in his place so that way he can pay his bills, but the money that you put in the plate is something that you could have used to pay your bills. That doesn't make any kind of sense. Or give, and you'll get healed. You can't pay for healing. It's a sovereign work of God. If God chooses to heal, that's His. That that's what God does. And if we simply ask in faith and nothing wavering, and, and remember what James said. James said this. He said, "Call for the elders of the church and let him anoint them with him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up." Nothing in there says anything about you giving money to get healed. Nothing. So the Lord never taught this. You never see the Lord ask for money so you could get healed. You get out of debt by paying down your debt. In other words, it's called the miracle of a budget. Learn to manage your finances. Learn to manage your resources. You are to be a steward over what God gives you. And so you need the miracle of a budget. But in the event that you do get in debt, for whatever reason, there's there's a planned debt and then there's unplanned debt. No matter what, you get out of debt by paying down your debt. I'll, I'll never forget this. I was watching, uh, uh, not watching, but I've heard of, uh, of a court case in which a judge had a believer before him, a believer in Christ. And uh, the, the judge says, what have you been doing with your money? So the person had to, this believer had to give an account to the judge uh, before any bankruptcy or anything, filings of, of that nature were to take place. Let's see an accounting of what you've been handling, uh, how you've been handling your money. And he saw that this individual was giving thousands of dollars to a church. And he was saying, this has to stop. This church must give back this money to you so you can pay your debt. And I said, wow, that's 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 rough. But he's right, because if you're in debt and you're uh, attempting to use bankruptcy to get out of debt and you're putting money in a place where it doesn't belong and the judge has jurisdiction, he can simply say, I'm going to write an order to this church to return the money to you so that way you can pay your debt. I said that could have been solved away a long time ago if he would have learned the miracle of a budget, plain and simple. They should be teaching you to never get into unreasonable or unaffordable debt in the first place. They'll let you suffer. In other words, these ravenous wolves and savage wolves, they'll let you suffer before they themselves suffer. And they honestly believe that you're doing nothing, that they're doing nothing wrong to you. And that's wrong. That's wrong. That's that's robbing. Now, remember what we discussed in first Corinthians chapter six, where it says thieves shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And one of the definitions that was expounded upon was that it includes 
false prophets and false teachers that are using their position of biblical authority to rob the people and to take advantage of them and to exploit them. So false prophets and false teachers will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will be bundled up and burned in hell. So how do we know these false prophets and false teachers? Let's go back into the book of Matthew chapter 7 and look at verse of verse 16 now. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. You will know them by their fruits. So again, good trees produce produces good fruit and bad trees produces bad fruit. What they live and what they teach is how they are discerned. But you have to constantly study the word of truth. You always have to be on guard. And this is one of the things that we have to uh, share over and over again to you. You always have to be on guard for these individuals because they're always trying to take advantage of you. And if, and if you're not careful, they will come in and they will take advantage of you in such a way that you'll be saying, why did I do that? I needed this resources for this. And all of a sudden the bill collector is coming. A, a notice is coming through the mail and they're coming after you when you had the money. You had the money to get rid of that. But you you, you gave it away to an individual that took advantage of you and, and exploited you. There is nothing wrong with being a steward, a good steward of God's money. In fact, that's what the Lord wants us to do. If you study the book of Luke, that is the 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 things that the parables that Jesus speak on. No other book speak, speaks more about money than the book of Luke in terms of how to be good stewards of what has been given you. And and so you need to be a good steward of what God has given you so that way you're not the one holding the bag at the end of the day. A bag that's empty. He got your money the false prophet and the false teacher got your money, but the individual, but you, the individual that should have exercised stewardship, you're left with the bag. You're left with owing a whole lot of money and they come after you. Same thing that if you got a tax bill, if you got a specific tax bill and all of a sudden you're giving money to an individual that robbed you of, of your finances, you could have used that money to pay your tax bill. And so you got to be very careful of these individuals and not allow yourselves to be uh, uh, deceived by them. So now in uh, the uh, book of Second uh, Timothy, chapter two and verse 14, again, remind them of these things. Paul tells Timothy, charging them before the Lord not to strive about with words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present your, yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed of rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness and their message will spread like cancer. Excuse me. Their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already passed and they overthrow the faith of some. So you don't want your faith to be overthrown. A person can wrongly divide the word of truth. False prophets and teachers need to come to their senses and hope that God would grant them these false teachers that that they would be granted by God repentance. So I want to show you this, because if you go down a little further, you will see that uh, um, that that Paul is very serious about these individuals uh, uh, that are taking advantage of people. And, and, and this is what false prophets and false pre uh, preachers need to be. Now, look here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 25. It says, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. So Hymenaeus and Philetus uh, became false teachers and they became the opposition. So whenever you have individuals among us and among anywhere else that are teaching doctrine that is inconsistent with the scriptures, they are in opposition to the sound doctrine and teaching of God, and they are in opposition to God himself. 
if perhaps we'll grant them repentance. In other words, God is the one that is saying, I'll give you a chance to repent. But see, it has to come from God towards these false prophets and teachers. They just can't say, I repent. No, God got a granted to them because it, it may be perhaps these individuals were rejected and God don't want them back. So God grants them repentance so that they may know the truth. So if God grants them repentance, then they will know the truth and that they may come to their senses. And that's the whole purpose of, of confronting uh, individuals that are false prophets and false teachers that we read in the book of Jude, that these individuals uh, have crept in un unaware or unnoticed. Uh, these individuals have lost their senses. In other words, what we read about when Paul said that they've strayed concerning the truth, uh, these individuals, Hymenaeus and Philetus, you see, if God grants them repentance, then it's for the purpose of that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses. In other words, they lost their ever living minds. And so you don't get the, the permission to pervert the scriptures because you want to. Just because you receive a revelation doesn't authorize you to pervert the scriptures. What you need to do is that you, if you receive something, you need to run it by someone that is much more mature than you in the scriptures. So that way you could be on safe ground, because if you just go beyond uh, uh, sense with, with the scriptures, you're going to be declared a heretic. And, and that's what we've seen with the late Carlton Pearson. He was declared a heretic among some people that were heretics like T.D. Jakes. He's an heretic. He's a definite heretic. No question about that. Uh, uh, the individuals that are declared heretics you don't want to be declared a heretic so what you want to do is run what you receive by these individuals by mature individuals in the scriptures we see this in the book of uh, galatians chapter 2 where paul said that i ran these things by individuals that had reputation lest i would preach in vain and so there's nothing wrong with saying that i need to run this by somebody because i want to make sure that i am on solid ground about this so uh, false prophets and false teachers they have lost their senses but if they uh, if god grants them repentance then and if they repent then guess what that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will so the will of the devil is to bring lies and confusion, misinformation, malinformation, disinformation into the body of Christ to separate the body of Christ and to cause and wreak havoc as ravenous and savage wolves to eat up the sheep. So now in the book of Revelation chapter two, we're going to see a good example of an individual that is a false prophetess here in the book of Revelation chapter two. Look at verse 18 and to the angel of the church in Thyatira write these things says the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith and your patience. And as for your works, the, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. Now, see, there are scriptural qualifications. You just can't call yourself a prophetess. You just can't call yourself an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor or teacher or elder or bishop or presbytery. You don't have you don't have that authority. Now, in many of the scriptures that we read as far as Paul's writing in some places, you will see Paul called to be an apostle. So if the call isn't there, you can't claim a title that wasn't given to you by God and he never called you. And so the qualifications is very simple. This woman called herself a prophetess. But look at what happened here because you allow. And that's why we have the problems that we have in the New Testament church. We allow certain people who we know have no business in the scriptures that do not have the qualifications for the scriptures. Now, if you want to know the qualifications, all you have to do is go back to first uh, Timothy uh, chapter three, verses one through nine, I believe. And you will see the qualifications, the qualifications of an individual that desire a bishop. It says that it says this, if he desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. And then he says he must be the husband 
of one wife. That's the qualifications. That's what the scripture says. Now, if you have an issue with the scriptures, that's you, you take it up with the scriptures. I'm just telling you what the scripture says as far as the qualifications is concerned. Now, if, if you're not a he, then you, you don't fit in the qualifications. It's very simple. The qualifications are very, very simple and real in the scriptures. We just don't add to the scriptures because we want to. We do not uh, uh, apply elasticity to the scriptures because we want to. The qualifications are very, very clear. And if you don't accept all of the qualifications and just accept a little here and a little there, what are you doing? You're misapplying the scriptures. Now you're dealing with misinformation, disinformation. You're dealing with those two things and you can't do that. The scriptures is very, very clear. There is no ambiguity about it. There is no mystery about it. It is not an enigma. The qualifications are very clear. So you have to go back over the qualifications and see if this is speaking to you. If it is speaking to you and, and you desire the office and he desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. Now you're, you're well within the qualifications. But if you're not a he, you're not qualified. You're not, you, you're not in the qualifications of the scriptures because Paul further explains that uh, that one of the qualifications is that he must he must be the husband of one wife. It, there is no there is no qualifications that we see in the New Testament as far as women is concerned for ministry. We just don't see it. We don't see Paul saying that this is the qualifications for women in the ministry. We just don't see it. And, and so I, I know that it's probably getting up you upset and you're you're huffing and puffing. But learn to calm down and humble yourself and put yourself in a position of this is God's word. This is what God said in His word word and I cannot be found in opposition to his word. These are the qualifications. So be it. That's the way it is. And, and it's not about being a misogynist. It's not about being hateful on women. It's not about any of that. It is about doing the right thing as far as the qualifications are concerned. And so if you have a problem with the scriptures, uh, don't take it up with me. Take it up with the scriptures. In other words, go in your spare time and read exactly word for word what the qualifications is. So now we see in verse 20, because they allowed this woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent. So in terms of what Jesus is saying, in terms of giving time to repent, in other words, he was willing to grant these this individual repentance. He, he, he didn't want to throw Jezebel into hell. He wanted to grant her repentance so that way she could repent of her sin and come out of it and come to her senses. But look at what happens here. To teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And, get, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. And what did happen? What happened here? She did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. In other words, they can also come on their own. They can come on their own and repent of their deeds, but it has to be genuine and it has to be legitimate. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. So, so Jesus is very serious about this. So we have to be very careful about the seriousness of the scriptures. If the Lord is serious, we cannot play games with this. This is for keeps. And the Lord is very serious about the qualifications. And see, that's why we run into serious trouble, because we we uh, apply elasticity to the scriptures. We stretch the scriptures. We apply what we think is a revelation over scripture, like this individual uh, she, her name is Catherine Crick, and she calls herself an apostle, and, and she has said these blasphemous things about, we don't need the Bible. We, we need revelation because we need God to show us some things. We, we don't need the scriptures because she knows that if anybody were to point out the scriptures, she would be caught 
with her hand in the cookie jar. She would be caught red handed about being a false apostle. We have these individuals that claim to be a uh, uh, prophetess, prophetess and prophets and, and apostles and whatnot. And they're not. And that's why we have ravenous wolves and savage wolves among us, because we do not do what you tell us to. And that is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered to us all. And because we do not contend for the faith, what happens? They come in and they take advantage of the sheep. They come in and pillage the sheep. So this is very important that we, we run these things because now and understand these things because now we're beginning to see whether or not some of us are legitimately called by God because do we have the fruit? Do we have do we have the call? Do we have the fruit? Are things manifesting the way that they should according to the scriptures? The first thing that you have to look at is the qualification that Paul has spoken of. Now, if you're trying to use Galatians chapter three and, and where, where uh, Paul says there's neither bond nor free, uh, a slave or free rather, and, and, and male or female, that you have to look at that subject. Look at the subject in terms of what Paul is speaking of in the book of Galatians chapter three. The subject is not ministry. The subject is heirs of Christ. The subject is heirs of Christ, not ministry. So you can't use that portion of scripture in the book of Galatians chapter three to, to claim that uh, it's talking about ministry simply because you have to look at the subject of what Paul is speaking of, because that's the subject matter. Heirs of God is the subject matter and not ministry here in the book of uh uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, Let a woman learn in silence with all submission, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness with self-control. Now, the word childbearing uh, can be also defined uh, if you look at the Amplified. I like the Amplified version of it. It is talking about uh, Christ being the one that is born uh, uh, of the Virgin Mary. So we have to be very careful that uh by trying to say, well, wait a minute, if I bear children, I'm going to be saved. That doesn't make sense. That's, that's not how salvation works. It is only through Christ, what he done on the cross, that we can be saved by faith. Again, we'll look at what Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So not it is not by childbearing that a woman is saved. So we got to be very careful about that. But this is the qualification. Now you go into chapter three and verse one. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, temperate, sober minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, I didn't write this. Paul received this by the Spirit of God, and he wrote this. And, and so this is in the Scripture. So how, how dare we uh, try to make the Scripture say something that isn't there? And so we have to be very careful. And that's how false doctrine is always taught. It's always taught in the sense that, yeah, this is my revelation, but the Word of God says this, but never mind the Word of God. Pay attention to my revelation. And that's what we see in the book of Matthew chapter 15 with the Pharisees and the Sadducees when they 
uh, uh, polluted or perverted the word of God, the commandments of God, and they exchanged the commandments of God with the traditions of men. And the traditions of men usurp the commandments of God. And all that is, is a, a way by which, this is the starting point, of individuals coming in as ravenous wolves to take advantage of the sheep, because if you listen to my commandments, if you listen to what I'm saying, then you don't have to pay attention to what God said. And so that's what you see in the book of Revelation chapter two. Now, in the book of First uh, Timothy chapter one and beginning at verse 18, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. And again, Paul reminds us of these individuals. This is the first instance, rather, of this, because then you go into uh, 2 Timothy, the Paul reminds them of the same individuals. But here we, but in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, we see Hymenaeus and Philetus, but here we're going to see in verse 20, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I, ha I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And so uh, the, the penalty for having false doctrine, the penalty for presenting false doctrine and you show no change, you show no desire to change, the penalty for that is that in some instances you will be sent to Satan uh, for the destruction of your flesh that you may be saved in hopes that you may be saved. So we see this again in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where uh, an individual is having uh, uh, sex with his own mother and, and that is not even heard of of the Gentiles and, and Paul says I am turning you over to Satan for the destruction of your flesh. So uh, false prophets, false teachers can also be delivered to, to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Now Here's how you can discern good and evil as far as knowing uh, savage wolves among you in closing. Look at verse uh, chapter 5 in the book of Hebrews and verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food solid food but everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe but solid food belongs to those who are of full age that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil so the more mature you come to into the scriptures the more easily it'll be uh, it'll be for you to point to uh, point out and pull out false doctrine and false teaching. And that's what we want to do. We want you so full of the word of God and so full of the good teachings of the word of God that you are able to discern uh, of both good and evil. And that when you begin to see uh, the good fruit and the bad fruit, you can see what they are, especially those individuals that declared themselves to be genuine prophets, but they're nothing but ravenous wolves and savage wolves that are there to pillage and take advantage of you and to destroy you, you'll be able to say, wait a minute, that don't sound right. That is not the scriptures. That is not what is line upon line and precept upon precept. And you'll be able to discern and say, wait a minute, that's not God. That's not the word. I can't believe that. That No, you begin to take heed in terms of what Jesus said, the sheep know my voice. And you begin to run, run to the shepherd, the good shepherd, because the good shepherd know his sheep and the sheep knows the good shepherd. And that's why we're spending so much time teaching you why, because of what's taking place in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, that in the latter time, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So you know the times that we're living in, so that's why we're spending a whole lot of time equipping you and sharing the word of God with you, so that way you can avoid ravenous and savage wolves. You've been listening to Prevailing Word Ministries on the Prevailing Word Podcast channel. We're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, YouTube Podcast, and Spotify. Please visit our website at prevailingwithministries.net. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.